Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sneaker History Podcast. I'm Robbie, and I'm here with two good friends, local guys, to the Pacific Northwest. We're all transplants, so we have a lot of similarities. It's going to be a great time. I'm here with Rowett and Mr. Mars Yard Overshoe, Aaron Hankins. How you guys doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Aaron? Welcome to the show again. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm doing excellent. Um, it's I'm out in the studio right now. It's a little chilly here in the Pacific Northwest, but it's nice. It's fresh. It was refreshing. The sun was out today, so I got my vitamin D. Yeah, it, it, it poked in and out this afternoon. Um, that's what she said, if you watch The Office. But um, it, it's going to be a great time. Aaron's been on the podcast before, back in the earlier days. I want to say within the first 100 episodes. And we talked about his journey as... Um, you know, working in Aramai, how he got to be working at Aramai and, you know, fulfilling his dreams of working at Nike. Um, if you ask him, things are still going great on that front. Happy camper. But we're here to talk about a follow-up to an episode that came out last week. Um, we're going to be talking more about the Mars Yard overshoe, the Mars Yard 2.0. Um, is it the 2.0 or 2.5? Like, what's the proper name of the new shoe? 2.5. 2.5? Um yes. We're going to go into like a deep dive into Tom Sachs and the Nike shoes, what it means to be a wear tester. So before we get too far into it, I have to recommend our episode from last week with Rowett, Mike, and Nick, where they start this kind of conversation. We thought it'd be great to have Aaron come in and kind of answer some questions from that one and provide a little more insight. Um, we got to start with the stuff we always do, though. We got to start with what we're rocking and what we're copping. So, Rowett, why don't you go ahead and hit us with the footwork? Sure. Uh, because we have a special guest, and this guest is about certain things in life, and one of those things is the attack mode, I decided I had to pay homage. So, the Kobe 10 HTM Shark Jaw. So, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for indulging our curiosity about the well, overyard shoe and just whatever else, because one of the joys I've gotten since joining this show is getting more friendly with you. Aaron, and it's been one of those things where I just love the tangents that you go on with your story, and it's all under that pre pretense of attack mode, so I'm here for that. So thank you again for joining Nice. With the awesome. subtle flex, like that's a that's a rare shoe with the beautiful purple fly wire. Man, that's a, a hell of a Kobe shoe, Kobe 10. And this is a low top, right? It's a low yeah. or a mid? Low, low? Shorty What's got the, low, can, low. Are, now, now, is the sneaker history, this is also going to be on YouTube, right? Correct. Boom. Can you just put the outsole up on the screen? Because I forget what the what the bottom of the outsole looks like. I love all the... Oh, At Dante yeah. Halls, it just throws but, up the X. But it also has the crosshatch, like, squared pattern on the rest of the shoe. It's like, uh, ooh. Yeah. I can see it. It's like the little texture. And it's, uh, it's like translucent. You see through it, right? Yeah. It's uh, the Kobe 10. Uh, it was a weird time because he obviously he was hurt, but you got engineered mesh versions. Then you got low and high elites. That would be the elite. And I'm talking for Rowan. I don't know why. No, I'm no. Explain this shoe for I'll you. Sneaker way. history podcast. Hell this yeah. This is sneaker history, but this is if there was a CSI in Miami episode, this would be sneaker history Kobe episode where you two are just going to be here and I'm going to be David Caruso. Occasionally I'll take your glass on and off and yell, yeah, randomly, but this is yeah. your boys all too. <laughs> all too easy that's great nice. what do you what are you looking to cop though what's uh, I on think the radar in terms of a shameless plug and a very flawless segue this new shoe that's coming out the cosmic unity and i think there are three colorways that have been kind of displayed to the public i really like the amalgam colorway and i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly but there's just something about that that speaks to me and the inner 90s nickelodeon child that i am so i'll go with that 
wait that's, a minute now. Well, I'm a I'm a simple dude and I have a simple mind. Amalgam. What color is that on the on the Sesame Street color wheel? On the Sesame Street color wheel, we've got the blue of the Cookie Monster. We've got on the midsole, and then we've also got a toothpasty green. Almost, I would say, if Oscar the Grouch was really feeling sick and anemic on a particular day, maybe that shade of green. Got and it. Then, okay. Just okay. you know what, my uh, my Sesame Street history isn't where my sneaker history is, so I don't know who was the orange Muppet, and I don't even know if they're considered Muppets. But I'll go with a nice little orange uh, was... tab at the back. Nice. I think it was. Bunsen it's not the gray Eber, one, but I, th- that's me- no, but... that's uh, Muppets. No, no, you're right because that shade is very much the hair color of Beaker. So once again, well done. Bow down. Nice. So that's the not. So there's the black one, which we've all seen. There's the gray one, and then yours must be the third one. So I don't remember seeing. Yep, a, a that's the third one. Uh, the other two were the black one that you mentioned, which I think is the first release coming up. And then, in maybe a highlight to another episode we've done recently, they've marketed the gray one as the space hippie. So are we going to start seeing the South Beach gentrification of the space hippie when it comes to other shoes? Now we'll see. Maybe it's it's interesting to see the crater foam on the uh, the galaxy cosmic un- uh, so many damn words the cosmic unity uh, on the charlie murphy's unity there's there's got to be that crater which is such a great material converse is using it nike's using it we can go on and on for that um i actually am not going kobe i'm going somebody that i argue with aaron frequently is not as good as lebron james but I wore the Chicago's today. I'll pull my mic out so I can actually like get in. I always like to go one red, one white. Uh, it pains my heart that these are like $1,400 now to buy. Nobody should ever have to pay that much money for an OG colorway of ones. I was very lucky to get these for retail. And I met Tommy Wiseau wearing the shoe. So <laughs> I have a picture with Tommy Wiseau in this exact pair. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's killer <laughs> but yeah man i mean i probably wear these i just had to remember i have a stack of ones and I'm like this one comes out today so hashtag wear your shoes um it's a commodity if you don't wear it and a commodity really isn't worth anything sentiment sentimentally um go make money off it or wear it so highly recommend the wear option um for me though i saw a griffey air max one with like a a, a royal blue with white with a little bit yellow green on there i believe that's an og colorway if not very close to one that that shoe's fire man like i the air the um, the air more up tempo and a cu- the barclays a couple shoes have just been hard to pinpoint when they release the griffies are another one of those where i see it pop up as a release and then it's sold out right away another store has it sold out right away so i'm trying to get a hand a hand on a pair of griffies so those are definitely on my radar. We got to go to the the man of the hour, though. I know what you're going to be wearing the next eight weeks. So let's get a little taste. This is the what I'll be wearing is the Mars Yard 2.5. Um, I, I forget exactly what the color is on the box, but I think uh, all the materials are the natural colors of the materials. The We'll get into more of the shoe shoe itself, I guess later on. So this is this is what I'm wearing. And uh, in terms of copping, uh, I'm not a copper. But if I were to cop, if I were to cop something, I do believe this Nike Fly or no Go Fly Ease is Go that fly am I saying? Ease. Yeah. Go Fly Ease. I would I would definitely buy one of those because I'm a slip on kid. For, for my entire life you're preaching to the choir it took me probably 25 years to properly tie my shoes so i'm glad to see we also have that in common <laughs> yes I'm, I'm not to be cynical i'm interested in the shoe also but i'm curious if it's as seamless as everybody perfectly slowly walking their foot into it all of the everybody's just like oh let me get this for instagram my foot's gonna slowly slide in and gently go down because you know in, in everyday wear it's slam slam go like heel toe go so I'm, I'm curious how it performs in those kind of conditions but they've wear tested for that we're going to get into wear testing but yeah. they've had people probably to slam their heel into that thing like they do a pair of free runs where you just like smash the heel down 
and you use it like a pair of slides. We've all seen it. Maybe you've done it. But um, while we're just talking shoes, we've talked Cosmic Unity already. We've talked Go Fly Ease all within 10 minutes. There's one big one. So we have like brand new tech and we have brand new materials. So that's two different things. Then we have the oldest shoe in the book, 1985's Neutral Gray Air Jordan 1. I've been entering raffles. That shoe, if you don't know, the sneaker history aspect of it is it's never retro. The, the neutral gray forever has been a cracked, crinkled collar piece of vintage nostalgia that I see on pages every now and again for a couple thousand dollars. And I'm like, well, if I curated and I was rich, maybe. But it, it's great to see that shoe come back. Do, do you like to see more unreleased Air Jordan ones finally retro? Does that interest you? Even though you're not a copper, is that something that like that's cool? I I like how very nuanced colors, colors that you haven't seen a whole lot of. How some people geek out because it it re reminds them immediately of when they first had a pair or when they the first retro or vintage pair that they had. Like I know um, a good buddy of mine named Bima. He, he has a, a pair of ones that has a purple swoosh on it. And I, and I don't know when a, the the ones had a purple swoosh on it. I also like the ones that are like the just slight hints, like the metallic green one. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's a couple of them that are kind of cool. I, I think that it's it has become like this timeless sort of design shoe. And you can kind of do it in any color and flip it anyway. It's just like it's the Nike version of a Chuck Taylor. I mean, the Air Force One, you could kind of like battle it out between those two but it's like chuck taylor high top jordan one high top you know like same deal so mm -hmm. i think you're very well with your opinion because i think for me when i do see shoes that have forever been lost in time and then all of a sudden they're mid there for a timely retro or a timely release it comes back to the narrative and i know i tend to be a narrative nerd when it comes to that thing but if it's a proper story and they're able to articulate it in the way that only big brands like Nike can, then I'm all for it. But then there are also times where I'm like, you know what? I will be more of a robber and not a copper. No, I'm kidding. I probably won't yeah. be copying certain shoes, but I'm always a sucker for a good story. So in your case, Aaron, what you've articulated about the neutral gray one, as well as some of the conversations we've had with Robbie in previous episodes, it's a cop for me in the sense that I will try for raffles. And then if I don't get them, I will probably still try for other people because that's just what we want to do here at Sneaker History. Absolutely. Those those people being me yes I usually yeah. every i am every throwing you the lob and you are hopefully boys. dunking the oop one day i'm i'm trying to i mean there's that that uh i want to say mishap where somebody posted it was only 25,000 pairs and the internet got really angry but we're going to focus on happy internet things we we have happy internet talk we have a positive review things are brightening up it's sunny in portland row it do you want to hit us with the review for this week absolutely episode. this yep this is from a homie by the name of friends feats am i in the room is the title fellas this pod is giving me life every episode i feel so entrenched in the conversations you all have that i find myself speaking up in an entry empty room thinking i'm there with you love how natural and flowing the topics are keep up all the great work i know we all have day jobs but we appreciate the time and energy y'all put into the pod every episode all love uh, robbie i believe you have connections to the aforementioned friends feet is that one love Yes. Just moved to Portland, probably looking for a job at Nike right now. So is anybody seeking openings, reach out to him. This is a great episode because all three of you, um, when the internet can be a, a good place, I met Aaron before he moved to Portland even. He was still living in LA. Um, Rowett, I met you through the internet and I met Franz too. So it's like, when there's not when there's not bad stuff, there's good stuff. So you just got to remember that. It's not all gloomy. 2021 can look up in some fashion. Absolutely. But it's been such positivity around our main topic today. So like I alluded to earlier, we had a whole episode mostly dedicated to this and me getting gifts last week. Um, I went back and listened to the episode. I love listening to episodes I'm not on. It's fun to hear everybody give their own you know, point of view without me butting in. So it, it's it's fun to hear that. But the internet's been on fire for how, how long ago did the opening for the, how long ago did did submissions open up for the Mars Yard wear testing? Was it like last month, longer than a month ago? Um, I guess let me start by, by saying the views expressed on this yeah. podcast 
do not reflect those of the company for which I work for, past, present, or future. And we'll leave it at that. Um, the submissions for the Nike Craft Wear Test Program were, I believe it was the Monday before Christmas. So I think Christmas was on a Wednesday this year. So mm -hmm. Monday is when sort of the call went out for submission videos on Tom Sachs's Instagram page. Awesome. And this one is, it's, that sparked positivity within itself. Um, I believe that the whole purpose was just to show how you would use this shoe. Like what, what would make you a good candidate for an eight week program to test out the new Tom Sachs joint. So that sparked positivity. Then we see people, friends getting the actual pairs and enjoying them. The best part is I don't see the, the shadiness in terms of, oh man, like he got a pair and I didn't, or like, I wish I got a pair. I'm salty. It's been, it's all been pretty, pretty positive. It's just like, okay, dude got a pair. Aaron got a pair. ABZ, I believe got a pair also like good for them. Good for you. There's no like animosity. It's like, everybody's just happy to see this shoe out in the wild. And that's been super sick. Um, there's a lot more to the shoe. There's, the whole Tom Sachs side to the Nike side. So I think that's where we're going to start off. Because Aaron, if your name doesn't give it away on Instagram, Mars Yard Overshoe, you're pretty into the Tom Sachs lifestyle. Uh, I'd say you're probably a leader in that space. Um, Thank you. Let's just start off There's, with like... Robbie, before you go yeah. on, I just, if for, for, the, for the folks that are listening on the podcast, there are much, much smarter Tom Sachsian folks out there um, Europa and back. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. Um, there's a couple other people, Gabe, I'm looking at you. So, um, we like to, at least in the Saxian community, we like to look at it like college. I'm a, maybe a 201 professor and somebody like Martin is probably a 501 or a 601 professor. So, but thank you for the compliment, Robbie. You're still teaching classes. Break down <laughs> where that name comes from, what show and all that. Uh, the Saxian syndicate, um, or Saxian is a, you know, a play off of Tom Sachs. And um, it, it came from The Wire. And I don't know if any of the listeners, you know, remember the season of The Wire. I don't know, was it four or five when it was the, the they were at the newspaper. And they, they, kept wanting to, they kept wanting to find articles that had a Dickensian aspect. And that's like Charles Dickens. And they wanted articles that sort of portrayed a Charles Dickens type story. And they would say Dickensian. And I was like, what? And... Um, at the beginning, way back when, uh, when the syndicate first started, you know, we were trying to think of a name and I just started calling things Saxian. Like if you did something in a style that mimicked Tom Sachs or was like in homage to Tom Sachs, well, that's a Saxian sculpture. That's something that, that it, 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 um, it has, um, influences of, of Tom Sachs into it. So does that make sense? Makes total sense. So, I mean, let's ask the obvious question. There's people out there in the room who don't want to ask who's Tom Sachs and like, what does Tom Sachs do? Whew, there's people, there, there's people, I mean, I know it's a multifaceted question, but the spark notes as best as you know, for someone who's just like, I don't want to ask my friends who he is. Cause I don't want to see him. <laughs> like, Thank you for um, asking that artist. question. He's an artist, um, and, which all of us are. So um, he's he's no different than the rest of us. He's just had his art shown in galleries all over the world. Um, he's a sculptor, a bricoleur, uh, somebody who takes found objects and collects them and turns them into a statement or, or a piece of art. Um, he's from Connecticut, I believe. Um, he has a studio in New York. Um, his, his backstory is really awesome. You can go on youtube and read a, a lot of different stories about him um but really the thing that draws me to him is that he uses common materials he uses plywood and screws and foam core and cardboard and and if you look at some of his works like he had um i don't have the art book here he made a, a sub-zero refrigerator out of plywood fully functioning he made a um an airplane laboratory completely out of foam core and foam core is just like an art material that it's a lightweight and you can shape it and turn it in different things. So he's um, like a, a master maker uh, is the is probably the you know that's a funny play on words, but he's a master yeah. maker. Yeah. And um, 
I, the the whole story goes is that um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna mess the year up, but there was an event. Mark Parker, the former CEO of Nike, was at an event. Tom Sachs was at the event, and Tom Sachs just went straight up to him and was like, "Yo, your shoes are trash." Like they fall apart. Like I wear the same shoes every day and I have to fix this thing and I have to fix that thing. And through that relationship, they, they kept in touch with each other because Mark Parker at the time was also trying to bring that art influence to Nike. And you see it now with Virgil, Martine Rose, like a bunch of the collaborators or artists and thing, things of that nature. But Tom was one of the first and their relationship built. And Mark Parker at the time said, listen, if you think you can do it better than us, show us. So that's where Nike Craft came from. And Nike Craft is a 50-50 partnership between Nike and Tom Sachs. And it's both sides will tell you that Nike Craft isn't it, it it can't be a Nike thing. It has to be a Nike and a Tom thing. It's it's um Tom talks about it in some of his videos on YouTube that it's a relationship that you one part can't do it without the other. So it's very um I believe the word is symbiotic. Like it, yeah. it has to it it has to sort of roll together. Um, in his studio, um, he has a core set of tenants. Uh, they're called 10 Bullets. Um, so you'll see people wearing 10 Bullets shirts, hats. Um, here, I got a, I got a, uh, a bag with a, pa <laughs> a patch on it. And these, these 10 Bullets are his studio rules. And it's really cool because like as an artist and, as, and when you have a studio, like people want to come and visit the studio. And he, at a certain point, was like, listen, before you come into my space, watch this film. So I would I would tell anybody that's listening to the Sneaker History podcast right now, if you want to understand Tom Sachs, watch Ten Bullets. Yes. And probably watch it like watch it, and then like an hour later watch it again, and then maybe a week later watch it again, and then from from Ten Bullets you can go and explore. I think Tom has over fifty movies on YouTube of all different processes, all the different things that he's made. He's a master storyteller. Um, he's a super smart marketer. You know, like I'm kind of giving him the pat on the back now, um, but that's who he is. So does that answer the question? It very much so does. <laughs> so if you don't mind me following up on that, Aaron, what about it? Because I know you'd mentioned the common materials aspect of it as well, but what kind of led you down this path to academia in a sense? Because the way you guys are speaking about how you view the syndicate, lack of a better term, it is very academic in its approach. It's very academic in how it's structured. And I was just wondering, did that appeal to you? Because one of the vibes that I've always got off being your friend on social media is you're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. Is that part of the reason Absol why? Or? Absolutely. Uh, also, Tom talks about that we have to show the scars of our labor. So the reward for good work is more work. And to know that you've, that you've put in the labor, there has to be a scar. So if you look at his work, all of his work shows the labor that was put into it. He, he paints plywood and then he cuts it so that you can see the chip marks, right? Like the, um, there's, there's so many different things that he does that you can look at and immediately you can see the work being done. He makes white t-shirts because if you wear a white t-shirt, you're gonna get dirty, it's gonna show. Like the colors of the overshoe, the, color, the colors that are picked for the Mars Yard shoes, like those are all by design, like the exploding poncho, it's white for a reason because it's meant to be worn, it's meant to develop a patina. Like patina, we think of patina with leather, but anything can gain a patina, which is just an aged look. And I think that's the thing that, that drew my, when I saw Tom's work, I was like, wow, this is so intricate and detailed, yet it's not perfect. Tom always talks, he has another saying where he says, you know, I can't make an iPhone as perfect as Apple can without a, without a sign of a human hand being put on it. And but Apple can't make a, a Tom Sachs sculpt, sculpture the way that I can because they want it to be so perfect and they want all the lines to match up and they want everything to be seamless, right? So um, that's kind of where it started. And what I did was is that I was looking on the internet and I'm trying to find people that are into Tom Sachs. So I kept running into people that had the 2.0s or I would run into people that had a shirt, right? And I would just be like, hey, like, do you know anything about any of his other works? And they're like, no, not really. Like, I just got it because I saw other people with it. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I started posting more of the stuff that I liked. And again, social media, you got to love it. Somebody was like, hey, you need to talk to this guy. And uh, my buddy Gabe, he lives in Pennsylvania. 
um, he was on the same level as me. Like we, we enjoy Tom Sachs for the sneakers, but there's other levels and layers to what Tom Sachs teaches that can make our lives better. Oh, fantastic. And I was kind of hoping to use that as a segue to talk about one of the bullets that I found most intriguing, which was this concept of Leatherface. Am I articulating that properly? So do you want to, yeah. if, if you could touch on that as well, because I think it's one of those things where what you've just summed up, I totally get that bullet point now, because now as you're explaining the mythology and the imagery behind this institution, Leatherface is probably the most tangible aspect of that. So if you don't mind sharing with our listeners about that. Sure. Uh, Leatherface there's there's if you watch 10 bullets and you and you read some of the notes on it leatherface is more about establishing rules for your studio and a code of conduct for yourself to follow and by by setting a set of rules and standards for yourself and having leatherface uh, leatherface is just another word for an idol or a place in your studio where you dump money if robbie if you leave the lights on in the attic you you got to feed leatherface right if you if you if you lock the cat in the room, if you forget to scoop out the kitty litter one day, like you didn't do your assigned work, you have to you have to pay for for not doing what you said that you were going to do, and that's kind of what Leatherface is. I'm going to be interested to see what the comments say when people listen to this. If they're going to be like, Aaron doesn't know what he's talking about. I need to I need to come on the show and out because the cool thing about Tom Sachs is that like the cool thing with all artists, right? Art. All people that all art in general is that. The perception is is within the person. How you look at something and interpret it is all on yourself because you can look at somebody like Tom and he was influenced by Noguchi. He was influenced by Le Corbusier. He was influenced by Saul Witt, and he took what inspired himself from them and took it for himself. And was it an exact copy and an exact replica? No, he formed it and made it so that it fit within his lifestyle. So Tom right now gives us 10 bullets and he says, listen, you can follow this until you make up your own set of 10 bullets. So that's a cool part. And we'll link the the 10 bullet video. I watched it with Aaron and I had to go back and watch it again. I didn't do the third one a week later, but the first time, probably not going to make sense. But it does break down the rules. And those rules overflow into a life. big yeah life. Not just, I mean, of course, yeah, life. The big important thing i'm thinking it's smaller micro unimportant sneakers um like if you try to buy anything from tom Sachs' website his store be it a, a was it a geothermic dome geodesic dome yes geodesic dome um or whatever else you could be trying to buy um before you could check out it makes you do a little pop quiz it might be like what color do you not use in the studio it might be what's the reward for good work. So these little things, these little tidbits, they, they overflow into into the consumer side. And, and that's where I think Tom Sachs as, as a product, not as a man, as a product, and, and sneakers really intersect. Because in your description of the syndicate, you had people reaching out to you talking about the shoe sparked it. So it started with a pair of Tom Sachs shoes, like easily identifiable. They're on people's feet. You see them. The 10 bullets does that same thing. It might not be on your feet. It might be on your shirt. It might be a patch. It might be something, but it's a designation that you are in the know. Like if you have a pair of Chicago ones on, you see somebody else like that guy likes shoes because you're not just going to average Joe own that shoe. So like that intersects and the scarcity of product and not in a negative way, but just like the, the desire of the product to get your hands on the art, be it a pair of shoes or whatever Tom's making, there's just all these intersections between the two. So like you obviously love sneakers in our other episode, you talk about, you know, growing up in Philly and Iverson and, you know, old Nikes, all the good stuff, but it seems like it was a perfect marriage for you. Do you see a lot of overlap of people? with shoes and Tom Sachs, or is it just you happen to see a couple that had the shoes and they're mortis into Tom Sachs? Like where, where do they intersect? They, they definitely inter intersect around the shoe, but I also find um, there's a lot of people that feel that they need the shoes to validate their relationship with Tom. 
and that's definitely not the case. And it's like, oh man, I'm I'm such a great cool Tom Sass fan, but I don't have the shoes. And I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't take away from your experience. Did you buy the one dollar sticker, ten bullet sticker? Then you're a part of the club, right? Can you can you name three of the ten bullets? Then you're a part of the club. Like that's that's the the level of entry is that low. Like actually, the level of entry is, is that you get a white T-shirt and you get a sharpie and you mark ten little bullets on it with a sharpie. That's you're you're in the club now because you understand that it's about using what's around you to 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 sort of come in and and be around us. Um, yeah, that's there. There's a there's a it's a Venn diagram where in the middle you, you have the yeah. sneakerhead and you have the the art snob and then as that wherever that overlap is it's it's a pretty big overlap. You have the Mars Yard 2.5. You have Nike Craft. You have all that kind of in the middle there. But from a um, from like a personality thing, do you, do you see the same type of like? I would say in a similar way, Tom Sachs sparks like fanaticism. Like I have fanaticism towards Kobe. I'm a big fan. Like, do, do you see like th- that kind of overlap? Because the ten bulls lets you in the club the same way you could say you could try to ask somebody um, how many rings does Kobe have. You could try to ask him something that like verifies they're in the club. Uh, there's a little bit. Um, I think that most people who own something that's Tom Sachs use it. So, hey, I have one pair of his shoes. I wear those shoes. Hey, I have two of his shirts. I wear the shirts. There are a few people that are collectors that will collect it and put, you know, buy little cases and, and put things up like that. But that's a very small majority. It's generally the people that are wearing it and using it. And we're all like... The other part that I kind of that I kind of missed there was we're all curious and we're curious individuals and we want to know like, hey, what's this material made out of and what makes this one a little bit better than that one? And we're we're always trying to search for like a better way to do things or a more sustainable way of doing things. So that's the like one of the under like the 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 underlying sort of like personality trait that I see in folks that are that are around Tom Sachs is that they're they're really curious about trying to improve themselves. Sounds idealized. Like we wish everybody would wear their sneakers. If you have a pair of Kobe's, wear your Kobe's. Enjoy them. I mean I was gonna say that's what I kind of get as a relative outsider to the Tom Sachs experience, where it's one of those things where they're almost handpicking what you had alluded to, Robbie, what we as the sneaker history or the sneaker industry want our consumers to do, which is try the product on, vary it, make it almost unusable, unrecognizable, because then that leads us to that next evolution. And it's that concept of you being the receiver of what the designer is sending and making sure that there is a thoroughness there between the two. Because at the end of the day, I, you and I and Aaron have friends that are in that particular industry. And I think it goes a long way when you tell somebody, hey, I wore your shoe and I ran it down into the ground. And maybe that's a nicer way of going up to a Mark Parker and saying, hey, your shoe is trash because I keep beating it up every day and I keep having to fix it. But I think that goes a long way in not only feeding their ego, but also feeding feeding that creative beast that's within them to say, okay, what's the next step? What do I do to reach that next level, whether it's a next ring like Kobe or just the next evolution of a shoe like the 2.5? Well, like... The, the feedback aspect is really unique, especially with the anecdote of Tom telling Mark your shoes trash. Like with general consumers like us, we pay like we give our vote with our with our money. Like, OK, this shoe is successful. I like this shoe. I bought it. But Aaron, you're in a much different place with the two point five because you're giving feedback over X amount of time with the product to then, I guess, the next step is like ambiguous kind of like they sanitize the shoe and then we'll figure out what happens then. But like, there's, there's probably going to be some input received from the, you and the other 149 wearers, wear testers. So like describe to me what that job, what is the job of a, of a wear tester in, in this, in this bubble of Mark, um, pardon me, Tom Sachs, like what's your job over the next eight weeks? Well, the job is to wear the shoes. Um, we had a we had a Zoom call um, at the beginning of this week. You guys probably saw it on his Instagram, 
where it was just a screen full of a bunch of faces. I was on there. Um, and they just said, hey, wear them. Tag Nike Craft Wear Tester. Um, beat them up. Um, Tom was very like, he said, wear them as you would normally wear them. Don't go looking for, you know, uh, a, a stump, a, a tree, a tree stump grinder, or don't go looking for like the hot lava bed to like try to tiptoe around. He was just like, wear them as you'd normally wear them. Um, yeah, the shoes will go back at the end of the wear test period. Um, uh, what, how it stands right now, I believe, is that every week we'll get new challenges. And the challenges will not only be for the people that have the shoes, but they'll be for anybody who has a body who wants to join us. It's not, I don't even think that it's like contained to just Nike shoes. Like If you want to join us in these uh, wear testing trials, come. The, you know, the reward for good work is more work. Um, on Tom's Instagram, there is a phase one and a phase two. So I'm in phase one. There'll be a phase two. Um, there's a lot of people that were bummed because they didn't get selected for phase one. Um, I, I tell everybody, like, you think about astronauts when they set up the space program. Like, the guy who got on the rocket first, he didn't go to the moon, right? But he had, a, he had an important job to do, which was to take the shuttle up or take the rocket up, make sure everything works, right? And that's what, how I look at, like, me wearing this shoe. It's like, okay, I give initial wear. I go and do my things. I give feedback. The shoes go back to Tom or to, or to Nike, they repair them if they need to be repaired and then they go out to another group of people. Um, the, the whole story with Nike and, and Tom Sachs, there, there's been multiple shoes and the shoes with Tom and Nike have evolved over time. And the, the, we're, we're at a point, I believe, in where Tom is at, where it's time for like, the 2.0 came out in, I think it was 2016 or 2017, I forget exactly when, but I mean, that's almost five years ago. And now it's time for the next shoe, right? But to do the next shoe, you need to do wear tests, you need to do these other things. And the 2.5 is this wear test point before you go to the 3.0. At least that's the, the kind of the rumors. Like, uh, you know, like I, I listened to a clubhouse call with Tom, uh, like right before New Year's where he talked to, he talked a little bit about like all of the feedback that we give him is going to go into the next iteration, whatever that may be. And I, and I don't know, like I'm not, I don't have any like inside knowledge. I'm, I'm trying to stay very consumer centered with, with everything that I'm doing because I, I know that like there's, there's a gray area with, with me as an employee and also as me kind of being a part of this. So did that answer the question? It did. Ro, do you have any follow-up to that? No, any? I mean, I think I was able to pick up what you were putting down. It's interesting as you were talking, because I know I've had some experience working at Nike as well. The bullets almost serve as, I would say, a, not a copy, but an extension of similar to what Nike has with the Maxims, where we had these, I think there were 11 at that time, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, because I haven't been back in four years, so maybe they've gotten rid of 11. some. 11. It, it was 11 and, and now we're at five. You're back at five. Okay, you're at five, which it's these North Stars that help us, whether we're in IT or in design, making sure we're doing the right thing. We're always on the offense. And that's kind of what I appreciated about it. And this is something where I'll use as a segue because you and I kind of had a conversation after last week's episode where I was fascinated about the testing component of it because I've seen your videos. I've read a little bit about his attention to detail, him in this case being Tom. How do you feel when you're taking down notes about your day in the shoe? Like, is there a template? Is there a format? Or is that part of the beauty of Tom Sachs is the fact that you can kind of set your own rules? That's the, the that's exactly right. So we each got a little notebook here. Uh, if For those of you listening to the podcast, I'm holding up an olive drab 10 bullets notebook available on Tom Sachs's website. Um, it has a wear tester stamp on it and it also has a nike craft stamp on it and also has an issue date which is uh january 22nd 2021 yeah it's blank we fill it out as needed what i'm thinking um in our meeting on monday uh he talked about this being a conceptual art project and conceptual art meaning art that's created within a, a set of boundaries so or, or a set of rules and he he's 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 already started to talk about tying sport which is 
has rules and has boundaries in conceptual art. And it's where we tie the artist to the athlete is in that space. So the first week, we didn't really get any direction like, hey, write down how many steps and do this and do that, because that becomes very professorial and it's linear. And it's like, you do this. Tom has always been like, here's a blank canvas. Put what, you know, put, put down what we need you to put down. Right now, the first challenge is required reading. So on Monday, they sent out a syllabus of books and movies and things that, that they want us to understand and learn. Uh, because the whole group of 149 other wear testers, they may not be as nuanced into some of the like the, the books that Tom has referenced, like uh, Solowit or Yoko Ono or Endurance by uh, Ernest Shackleton. So there's all these different things that he's kind of like, hey, guys, I want you to wear these shoes for eight weeks. He said, hey, I know that everybody has busy lives. Try to wear them at least one time a day. Don't do anything really stupid in them because they are going to go on to somebody else. We're going to do challenges over the next eight weeks. The first week, here's your like homework. Watch Dune. Like uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other things yeah. that are on there. Watch Paradox Bullets. Watch Ten Bullets. Watch Learn Learn How to Surf. Like all of the Tom Sachs movies to kind of like bring people up so that when he says ABK, we know what he's talking about. When he says, "Hey, you know, fear is in the mind," like we know that that's a reference from Dune. Like so, makes total sense. It's like. I was I was curious if you had a book. I, I know you're a notebook kind of guy anyway, so I figured you would be taking little notes regardless if one was sent or not. But that just – so the imperfection of the notebook itself kind of speaks to the style of everything. It's obviously, it's a perfectly fine notebook, but just it's kind of – there's not a lot of uniformity. It's just like it's it's practical. It works. So what I'm curious about, and I'm sure other people have this question too, the shoes behind you, the overshoe, that isn't like the two, that's in its own category outside of the Mars. Like, how, what's the designation? So we have the first Mars yard, then that one came out. Now we're at 2.5. Like, wh where do they lie on the on the timeline? Um, the overshoe is the, um, is the rainy day child of the 2.0. And the 2.0... Um, I, I, I know that somebody is going to probably know the material better than me, but it was a very, um, very breathable mesh. Uh, people that own the 2.0, Mars Yard 2.0 will tell you that it was like wearing a sandal. It was breathable. It was a great summer shoe. And everybody in, the, in Tom Sachs' studio lives in New York, and they'd have to wear this the studio-issued shoe, which is the Mars Yard 2.0, and they'd have to wear it in the rain, the sleet, the slush, and... Tom, I, I, I think it's actually in the Nike book that just came out um, over the holidays where they talked about the overshoe and they kind of talked a little bit about the development. Um, but the overshoe is, um, it's a boot that goes over the Mars Yard 2.0. So the Mars Yard 2.0 is in that shoe. The, the white sort of shroud that's around it is Dyneema, which is the strongest, um, the strongest material in the world. And... Um, yeah, there's there's a shoe on the inside, which is the which is the Mars Yard shoe. And now, if you work in the studio and you need to go out in the rain and in the mud, you can wear the overshoe. And that was before the 2.5 came out. So the way that I understand the story is that like everybody got the overshoe and they're wearing the overshoe and people are cutting the overshoe. And you know, then I see like people in Tom's studio and they're like rolling it down. And then I see other people that have cut it, and I'm like, okay, like it doesn't seem to be very practical for most people. Like there, there's something there that, that people don't like to wear it all rolled up. They want to, they, they want to kind of get rid of the most endearing factor of the shoe. It's like you buy a Ferrari and then you rip the engine out. Like, you know, that's, and that's what I try to tell people, you know, like I want to let people be creative and do whatever they want with the shoe. But at the same time, like it costs as much as it costs, because of that white stuff that's on the outside of it. That's why it costs what it costs. That's really expensive material, right? That everybody's like, no, no, I need to get to, to what's inside. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, you, 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 buy a, you buy this really nice pickup truck and then you turn it into a, oh no, you buy this SUV and you turn it into a convertible and the roof doesn't work. What are you going to take this SUV out in the forest with no roof on it? Like, anywho, I digress. No, 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 I think that's a sense. really funny quote because that reminds me of a quote that 
the Spanish team Real Madrid in 2001, they had this era of Galacticos, which was every member of the team was a world-class star. And probably the least prominent in terms of their Q rating was their defensive midfielder, uh, Claude McAuley. And he was sold to another team. And when they asked all the other stars, Zinedine Zidane put it best where he goes, why add another layer of gold paint on the Bentley when you've taken the engine out? And that's exactly what you've kind of summed up there. Beautiful. That is, that's the quote of quote. But I mean, so people trying to get around what makes the overshoe good, you've embraced that and you did so to a point where there is a, a video you made and we'll link that here too. But you have like tips on how to make the, like wearing the overshoe more wearable and it's, yeah. and it's fully, and it's fully funked, fully fledged state. So like, what are the little tweaks you've done? Um, well, I guess the origin of the story is, is that I was obsessed with the shoe the minute that I saw it. I knew that trying to get the 2.0s for whatever they were going for on the secondary market, and it's actually interesting, you don't find too many worn pairs of 2.0s because people that wear them like them. So it's, it's kind of like a closed market. And when the overshoe came out, it was extremely polarizing. And I just gravitated towards, I'm a polarizing person as well, like, and I just gravitated towards it. And I mean, I still work at Nike and that is my shoe. Like I developed an identity around wearing that shoe. And part of it was, is that nobody else wore it. Um, I looked online. I didn't see anybody else wearing the overshoes. They all had it up on a bookshelf and they were like, oh, space going to the moon. And they'd have all these like space analogies, but it was still clean and white. It, it didn't look like it had never been worn before. So I already don't have a lot of pairs of shoes. I only have five. And this was in my rotation. And I just started wearing it. And people were like, at Nike, you know, you're every day you got to wear something different. So when you wear the same thing over and over again, they're like, when are you not going to wear this? And I'm like, ah, a hundred days. I'll, I'll wear it for a hundred days. And, you know, whatever that turned out to. And, and then it kind of like, I didn't talk about this on the last episode, but I met Michael Jordan while wearing the overshoes. And the second day that I had these, um, I was in a training a training room and we were getting ready to have a break and they were like, hey, the Jordan team's in one of these other rooms, just if you see Michael Jordan. And so I stepped outside, I had my overshoes on, they were fresh. And somebody that was in the training with me was like, hey, what, what are those? And I like bent over and I, and I get down on my knees and I'm explaining it to her. And then I hear somebody say, what are those? And I look straight ahead and I see the jeans and I, and I, <laughs> were they and I start cut? to- Were they boot cut? Come on, man. You know, man. You know. You know. It's Mike. Yeah. It's MJ. It's, it's Black Cat. It's money. Right? So, so I'm, I'm scrolling up, and I'm like, okay. And I see Larry Miller. I'm like, okay, that's Larry Miller. And I keep going, and I'm like, oh, gosh, it's, it's Mike. And Mike's like, are those Nikes? And I, like, guys, if I had ever, like, quick draw McGraw, I took the shoe off my foot, like, <laughs> and, I, and I had it up in his face, and I was like, yeah, it's Tom Sachs, Nike. Here's the Nike swoosh. Hey, guys, look, there's a shoe on the inside. And he's like, what is this bag on the outside? And I was like, oh, it's made out of Dyneema. It's like this super strong ultralight material and it protects you from the rain. And he's just like, you're going to need that in Portland. And then he walks away and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you talked to Michael Jordan. What, what did he ask you? And I was like, he wanted to know what this overshoot thing was about. And it wasn't until later that I realized I was like, huh? So Michael's seen probably, I don't know, maybe two, 300 concept shoes from Tinker like all of the great Jordan designs that have gone through, he, he gives approval for most of those, right? And he had to stop and be like, what are these white bagged, blue-soled things that are in front of me right now? And I was like, hey, I'm going to show it to you, right? I, I loved it at the time. So I would too. No, I, I mean, yes. this is what I'm going to say. Basically, you got to be Mars Blackman in the real-life version of a Jordan ad. It's just you got the, over, the overshoe there. And... It's funny to me because when I think of this shoe, I think of you, and this is something I had mentioned in our pregame, if you will, where there are shoes like that at Nike where the common man approach is, oh, I affiliate this shoe with this athlete. We're blessed in Portland in the sense that we get to know the people behind the shoe and we get to see those larger-than-life personalities that aren't on a court or on a pitch. So similar to what Ian Williams is to the Monarch, this is how I kind of told you where I'm like, Anytime I see any semblance of the words Mars, Yard, or Overshoe, or now Tom Sachs, I'm going to be like, oh, that's Aaron. That's just, 
that's a that's the foundation that Aaron is building on. So what I guess I want to use this opportunity then is how do you feel about things like that? Because I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you that, hey, man, you are the living, breathing embodiment of the shoe. And now as we're having this conversation, it's not just the shoe. It's the theology behind it. Like, do you feel comfortable in that sense? Or do you also have to take those moments sometimes where you're like, you know what? It's bigger than me. I think I think some of that comes in, creeps in now. So I met Michael Jordan. I had this shoe and it just turned into like this this thing where people would kind of make fun of me at work about it. And I record certain things or I'd be walking with people and they'd be wearing regular sneakers and I'd be wearing the overshoe and we're in Portland and there's a puddle and they kind of like want to walk around the puddle. And I'm like, I, I'm wearing these so that I can walk through the puddle so that I film myself walking through the puddle. So I collect all this film and everything. And I'm like, how do I create a story to get more people to wear their shoes? So I have a friend, um, Ariel. We, we were talking about it. And I was like, how do I, I have a private Instagram page, my personal page. And she was like, Aaron, why don't you just create a page for Overshoe and just put everything on this Overshoe page. And I was like, hey, that's a great idea. So then like, I could just put things on the Overshoe page and it wasn't tied to Aaron. It was just, hey, look, here's somebody who likes Overshoes. So the page starts to build up and I create all this content and oh gosh, I hate that word. I take a lot of pictures and I post them on Instagram. It's not content. Um, so yes, thank you. And then I take all of that and I was like, oh, I can make a film out of this and let me let me create a story. So I created a story where I got a pair of Mars Yard overshoes and I look inside the box and there's a wear test. There's there's a there's a there's a wear test instruction that I kind of discover in the film called 100 Days. You can watch it on YouTube. And I go through the journey of me wearing the Mars Yard overshoe. And what's really cool is that like in the beginning, like Robbie will tell you, like it might have been 20 people. And I was so ecstatic because I had worked on something that it was a 12 minute film because I did probably close to like two or 300 edits like that. That's what separates like a, like just somebody who puts clips together and something that you can actually call a film. So I put all this together and then people start reaching out and they're like, yo, I'm wearing my overshoes because I saw you wearing them. And then it becomes like, hey, how did you break them in? And what did you do about this? And how do you tie them? And then I'm like, okay, I'll put it on the overshoe page and I'll show people or I'll, I'll give people a glimpse into what wear looks like because people get the shoe, it's crispy clean, it's white, like it has a white bag on it. And I show them like, hey, watch me walk through some mud trails watch me rinse the thing off, dry it. And then the next day it looks, it, it has a little grayish tint to it, but it's just as clean. Let me wear it up to Mount Hood, like all those different things. So yeah, I'm, I'm just in love with it now. And I think that it's, that it's all awesome. I love that people come to the page, um, that I can kind of inspire people to wear their shoes, which is what all of this really is about. The inspiration part is, is really good. Cause if you can, there's not a, there's not enough there's not a sneaker video in the world like a sneaker based design towards sneakerheads that's gonna make somebody go like if they've been like prizing their M and M fours no one's gonna see anything they're like okay I'm gonna wear these M M&M and M fours today it's like no nah, those are probably still gonna stay on there so it's it's great to see that that your page could have that influence to say other people I'm gonna wear this shoe today because that's what it's all about is wearing the damn shoe wear your shoes. Um, so to circle back to like wearing the shoe, what is the 2.5's makeup? Like, what have you noticed about it so far? What are some pros or cons? Um, compared to, so before I put this 2.5 shoe on, I, I had been wearing the overshoe for, for most of 2020. The, the other shoe that I had is a, is a pair of space hippie O threes. What I'll tell you immediately is that this neck skin material that's kind of in the toe box here and the panels are made out of neck skin. It's, um, here, let me show you. It's translucent, so you can like, I don't know if you could see, it's kind of a, you can put different color socks on, but what I'll tell you is, is that it's extremely thin. It's a, it's a light shoe. Um, the upper is, it kind of feels like it's made of nothing um, when you're wearing it. Um, it's, it, it's I, I tell people that like, I went from wearing a, a space boot to wearing a moon sandal. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally walking around in a sandal. Um, I guess some of the other like little slight nuances on it. 
the, the the foam on the tongue is is cut a little differently than on, on on other pairs. Probably the biggest and most notable difference is the sticky rubber traction pods on the bottom and on the top, and then on the toe cap. So this is I don't know if you guys can hear that, but this is the toe yeah. cap is made out of a it's made out of a sticky rubber. Um, some of the folks that are wear testing the shoes are skateboarders. So they're skateboarding in this shoe. I know that some people in Tom's studio also ride skateboards. Tom rides skateboards. Um, there's a race car driver who's going to be wearing these. Um, we've got a beverage delivery man. We've got nurses, people in the healthcare industry. So really cool. A lot of different people are going to be wearing them. Um, it's a flat shoe. Um, it, it's You feel the ground. It Because it has a free outsole on it, it definitely has the feel of a much more flexible shoe. Like it's it's kind of just a... It truly is like an everyday shoe. Like I haven't, I haven't worn anything else, and I'm. It's for me right now. It's extremely comfortable. That's really anything. Yeah, comfort over everything else. I guess the last thing I would ask is: I know as big of a fan as you are of the shoe, you're probably an even bigger fan of your daughter. Has she want kind of wanted to scratch that itch and be like, I want my own version? Or have you had those discussions with her where you're like, oh, you know what, let's build you your own? Or how, how does that go? Because I think she seems to be in that stage where you're probably the coolest person in the world and you're pretty cool, Aaron. Like, how, how do you handle that conversation with the little one? Um, She knows that daddy has shoes. When she sees the overshoe, when she sees it online, she's like, oh, that's daddy's shoe. She, my, my daughter is a unicorn and glitter fanatic. So if it's not pink, if it doesn't have a unicorn, if it doesn't have kitty cats on it, then she's not really up for it. Um, I, did, I posted an unboxing video um, last night. I did a lot. I did an Instagram live and I did an unboxing video and my wife and my daughter watched it. And my daughter was like, oh, those are daddy's shoes. Like she knows that the, the shoe with the black on the front of it, because we've walked around the block and we've walked the dog and everything. So she's like, oh, that's that's daddy's shoe. Like. So um, she's not really, I, listen, Rowan, it's, um, what was that? Last year, I got her a pair of those um, Virgil Off-White, the, the, the Air Max 90, the 90 with like the brown, with like the, just that, that really, that orange that kind of pops. Desert sand. Desert, Desert ore. Sand. Desert ore. Hey, yeah. She hated them. Hated them. And I loved him, and that's and and I think that's the first and only time that that's gonna happen. Cause I like I want her every time I would be like, "Can you wear this shoe, please? Can you wear this shoe?" And she's like, "I don't like it. It's brown. It's dirty. It's uh, please. Can you just go with Daddy to Deadstock one time?" And like Robbie, I think I she actually wore them one time in the Deadstock, and like we got in the car and she like had them kicked off faster than those Go Fly E shoes. <laughs> it just shows, like I mean. There's always got to be the actual kid reaction because you always see these fresh kids on the internet, and I know damn well five minutes in, like get these, get this outfit off of me, because I was the same way for my parent photo shoots, you know, just like with the Polaroid when we were little. I was like, I don't want to wear the button-up shirt. <laughs> it's like, it's it is what it is. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, Mike had a question specifically, um, the durability of the two point five, like. It, do you feel an intersection? Because you're kind of an ACG fan too. Do you feel mm -hmm. an intersection from like a, a, a material or makeup standpoint between the 2.5 and like a quality ACG shoe? Is there like overlap? Um, probably a little bit in the sticky rubber, the the outsole. There's there's probably a little bit of overlap there. I think the SFB outsole itself is a um, that was originally an ACG was the SF or the SFB was just its own, its own Jimmy jam. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the rubber, the, the rubber joints, these are probably helping with durability. Um, the neck skin or like kind of the, the, the translucent panels on the shoe. That's the part that I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too sure about. I don't, I don't know how that's going to hold up. What I can tell you is, is that, let me take it off again. This is really important. The, the inside there's a piece of leather on the inside of the shoe. It's made out of pigskin. And I believe that this is different than the brushed suede that's on the on the outside. Because this this part of your foot going in and out, you know, multiple times, there's a, you can kind of see it in the video here. But like there's just a strip that goes all the way around the inside. That's durable. Like I've taken my overshoe off, you know, 
numerous times and that this sort of heel counter piece it's collapsed it's broke down you can pick it back up again it holds up um i think that this toe cap is probably from people that i've seen with 2.0s that have really worn them down probably we're talking like maybe 20 or 30 people you see this front cap start to peel back you see the 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 upper and kind of this the material around the toe it starts to peel away in this problem area so i think that's like i think that it's this is meant to last oh i guess that's another thing too thank you for for, for saying something these metal um are these called eyelets mm -hmm. on the sh listen guys i work at nike and i don't even know this stuff um these eyelets are uh they're reinforced with rivets and if you look at the 2.0 these aren't reinforced. So as you wear them over and over again, they would wear away at this um, U-shaped lace thingy. But on the 2.5, they've added this metallic part. And then on the, I don't, I don't know, what do you call that thing on the tongue that holds the laces down? The annoying tongue part, I don't know. Yes, well that, that piece has been, it, that piece has been uh, double stitched reinforced. So, and I also, I'm not exactly sure, but I believe that the loop on the back heel is actually, it's, it's less of like a collapsed loop. It's more of a, like it's open so you can actually put your finger into it. So, um, besides that, oh, it did come with a pair of leather insoles for the shoes and that, that obviously durability, like those are going to last longer than any mesh, um, sock liners or insoles. So... I'm gonna. I'm actually. I'm gonna be interested to see how we're gonna beat this shoe up in eight weeks, because you know, like, I it, to to make a film about the overshoes and to wear the overshoes down to a point where they need to be resold, like that took me, you know, like almost a full year of beating the crap out of them. And I'm I'm thinking that like the phase two folks, they're gonna be beating the crap out of these shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be really interesting to see. Uh, as you were saying earlier shoes getting to like an unwearable point is not an easy thing unless like you're you know like i think of like bmx and skateboarders you know like the the grips of the pegs i mean of, of the pedals and the grip tape is going to do it but most average joes especially if you just need to wear it once a day at least once a day i'm curious to see how that evolves too um, i was very curious about the bringing in um the people that we have the, the the mind frames and the mindsets of people that are used to wearing like people that have cold closets full of sneakers and now it's just like hey wear this one for at least 100 days and how that's going to play on people after like the third or the fourth week are they just going to be like hey i'm sick of this because i'll tell you there was definitely a point with the overshoe where i was just like okay like this is i need a break <laughs> right but then you jump back into it you power through it but you're only Absolutely. human I mean, you said you only have five pairs, but historically, Aaron is is a sneakerhead. You don't have to have a million pairs in the collection right now to still be a sneakerhead. Listeners out there, it. sure don't. Same goes out to you. Um, that's really all, all I have, though. That was really good to know more about the program and to see the shoe. If you're listening on YouTube, or I guess in this case, watching on YouTube, please make sure you like and subscribe to the Sneaker History channel. Aaron, why don't you go ahead and give them the, the handle for your public page so they can follow along in your escapades. Sure. Uh, Instagram handle is MarsYard, one word, underscore Overshoe, one word. So, um, yeah. And you can also look up the film 100 Days, a film about overshoes. You can find that on YouTube. Um, you can actually follow MarsYard Overshoe on YouTube as well. I put a bunch of the clips that are available on Instagram. I also put those on YouTube as well. Um, if you're interested in Tom Sachs, you want to learn more, follow Tom Sachs. If you're interested in what the community is doing, follow the Saxian Syndicate. Um, if you get to my page, you'll see the Saxian Syndicate. Um, participate in Nike Craft Wear Testing. Uh, hashtag Nike Craft Wear, wear Tester um, with your videos uh, when the challenges come out from Tom Sachs. Um, we didn't really get to talk about ISRU, Robbie, because we kind of just, we talked about a bunch of different things. Uh, ISRU, in situ resource utilization. Um, when you wear your shoes down, you got to repair them. Use what you have. Use the, utilize the resources that are around you. Um, if you need ISRU tips and tricks, you can look at 
my page, you can look at Tom's page, you can look at the Saxian Syndicate's page for that information. Um, was that it, Robbie? That was it, Rowit. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at RowitM13 on Instagram, at Roheasy on Twitter. And Aaron, don't you also have another podcast, like your day job, day job? <laughs> Uh, for those of you that are looking for more inspiration and to put more action into your life, uh, listen to the Stone Cutters podcast. Uh, you can find that on all major streaming platforms. Um, yeah, and uh, stay in attack mode. Always, Always and forever, man. The the Stone Cutters really is good knowledge. It's you and your friend Will um, breaking down stuff from like, I mean, you break down being black, you break down parenthood, right? You break down um dealing with like frustrations with art like you go through a lot so that's a really really good listen um i have to give one last plug to coel and armand for making my uh my kobe shirt that i've been wearing this whole episode i kind of i forgot to shout that out earlier but make sure you're following sneaker history if you're interested in getting to know more about us maybe more about our uh, your other fellow listeners go ahead and join our discord and our patreon great content there we're starting giveaways a whole bunch of fun stuff starting in february so just again thanks for listening and everybody have a great day hey hey nick here again before you take off i want to thank you for listening to the sneaker history podcast be sure to hop into our discord to answer this episode's the last shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts if you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.